Okay, we're at Yoma, uh, page 51. And uh, we're gonna start off with the uh, last couple of points regarding the previous discussion. Uh, what we're really getting to is uh, the par of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, which atones for himself and his family. What is his status? Is it Korban Yachid or, or Korban Sibor? On the one hand, for sure, he brings it from his own money. We're gonna see that today. On the other hand, it atones for a whole group of people, all the Kohanim. So what is the status? So, and we're testing out that, that concept through several details. And right now, the detail we're using to test it out is regarding Timurah. Torah says, if you, have a, if you consecrate an animal and you try to substitute it with another, both of them become Kodesh. That applies to a Korban Yachid, not to a Korban Tzibur. So it's a good test, test case if we can see uh, if we can answer that question. So on the previous staff, we brought this complex braita of the comparative chumrat between Zevach and Timura, right? And each one has a has something more machmir than the other. When we read it, it looks like it's talking about two general categories of an initial Zevach and a Timura. But when we look carefully, uh, the first paragraph here says, Yachid kevasibur is tochesh Shabbat and Tum'ah, what do you mean? It could be a yachid, korban yachid, and tochesh shabbat and tumah. That's not usually true. So therefore, we said it's not talking about the general category of any zevach, but a specific one. So what's a korban yachid? That's tochesh shabbat and tumah. Oh, oh, the part of Yom Kippur, and it says you can make a timura. So there you go. We have our answer. Right? It is considered uh, for the law of timura to be a korban yachid, and therefore um, it's considered korban uh, yachid. You cannot. You, you uh, timura does work. So we thought that that was an answer. And Rav Sheshat came along and said, not so fast. Maybe the particular zevach that's describing is the ayel of Aharon. That's an ayel, that's an olah, that's a korban yachid. And so you have no proof from here. This is not necessarily talking about that. Um, he tried to say that his answer is better. We ended up saying that his answer is not necessarily better. But, um, but uh, so that's it. We leave, we're leaving it ambiguous. Okay, what we're starting off now with as a few lines down on 51a, well, Rav Sheshat, Ademokimla be'elosh shel Aharon, lukma be'pesach. You got it? 51a, well, Rav Sheshat. Yeah, oh, right here. Okay, so Rav Sheshat, when he was challenging that that uh, hypothesis, that it's not, it's not talking about the part of the Kohen Gadol, it's talking about the Ayil. Why did he say it's talking about the Ayil? There's another better possibility, the Korban Pesach. That's also the Shabbat and Tumah, right? We know that very well. If you did if you did Pesachim, you do the you do it on Pesach, the fourteenth of Nisan is on Shabbat, and the Tumah, yes, you do it anyway. Um, and if you try to substitute with another one, they both get consecrated. That fits into that right, huh? So why didn't he challenge and say, no, no, not, not, not the part of Yom Kippur, it's the Pesach. The answer is, he holds the general opinion that you cannot bring alone. You have to have a, a partner, at least one partner. Uh, and so it has a communal or at least a uh, joint partnership, right? Shutafin. And um, it makes sense that Shutafin, you can't make a Timura because who's going to, if we all share it, who's going to, who's authorized to make the Timura? It's like, you know, you have a public stock company. How, you know, how could you, how do you sell it? You have to make it back into a Yachid. So therefore, since um, uh, he holds up that opinion that 
Pesach is not Yachid because it has to be more than one, one person. That's why he didn't ask from that. All right, now further question. How come Rav Sheshat didn't use Pesach Sheni? That also, Pesach Sheni, that also fits into the category. It's a Kurban Yachid that you can bring along. You don't need partners for, Kurban, for Pesach Sheni. And uh, you do it on Shabbat and Betum'ah. Well, Midach Etum'ah, is that true? We're going to see it's a machloket actually, whether Pesach Sheni is Dochet Tum'ah or not. The whole reason you brought it is because you were Tamer the first time. Now you're going to bring this Tamer the second time. Okay, so now we figured out why the Sheshat went straight to the Ayil and didn't uh, uh, suggest the Pesachim. I'm going to show the outline in a second. So, right, so what we have here is we're trying to answer this question can the bull create a substitute? And, you know, we said according to this pod, it would. But maybe it's talking about Ayel, maybe it's talking about Pesach or Pesach Sheni. And now that we mentioned this Machloket regarding Pesach Sheni, we're going to delve into a tangent regarding Korban Pesach. This tangent is going to relate to the source above we saw from the Mishnah, Tosefta and Timura, um, about uh, Korban Pesach and Chagiga. So I'm going, to, I'm going to pull that up just so we remember. It's a pretty simple Mishnah, but it's good to have it directly in mind. It's uh, up here. The Tanakh Kama says, Korban Sibor is Doche Shabbat and Tuma. Korban Yachid is not Doche Shabbat and Tuma. That was his uh, hypothesis. Anything communal, you can do it on Shabbat and Tuma, but not if it's personal. And then the Bimeir said, challenged it. And they said, wait, that's not a rule. Don't you have Korban Pesach? And that's a Korban Yachid, and that's Doche. And then the Biakov says, I, I disagree also with another with the other side. We have Korban Chagiga. And that is a Korban Sibur, and it's not Toche Shabbat and Tumah. So right, since we had counterexamples, then they suggested a different cloud altogether, which was that it has to be done on a day, then Toche Shabbat. If it doesn't have to be done on a day, then it doesn't Toche Shabbat and Yom Tov. Okay, so um, we, we saw that question. Why is there a difference between Pesach and Chagiga? Why is Pesach Korban Yachid and Chagiga Korban Sibur? Like they're, they're very similar. So that's our question now. Truth is, there was two different Tanaim there, but in Tosefta version, they're both the same Tana. And anyway, they're all brought together. So conceptually, why? If you're going to tell me because the Chagiga is brought with the multitude, everybody comes and brings the Chagiga together. Pesach also we all bring together. It's the same thing. Maybe when Rabbi Meir said Pesach, he meant Pesach Sheni that's brought, you know, quietly, uh, individually. And that's why he said it's Korban Yachid and it is Docheh. Wait, if it is Tumah Pesach Sheni, does it really uh, override Shabbat and Tumah? For sure it does Shabbat, but how about Tumah? Yes, with that Tana follows the opinion that says it does uh, override not only Shabbat but also Yom Tov and Pesach Sheni, right? Um, the Tanya, sorry, the Tanya. Now we're going to bring the Brayta that brings both opinions. So Brayta says Pesach Sheni does override Shabbat but not Tumah. That's the first Tanakama. Yes, it, it does doche both. So that Baraita before 
was the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Um, so that's why could, that's why it was categorized as a korban yachid. Um, so we're, the reason we're bringing this whole this whole here is because we just mentioned that right, we just mentioned that opinion. How come Rav Shishat didn't bring Pesach Shani? Because does it follow? Does it doche tumah? It doesn't. But now we see both opinions. One says it does. One says it doesn't. Um, all right. Now, what's the reasoning behind it? All reason has to do Pesach Shani is because he was Tamei on Pesach Rishon. So we give him a second chance. So now he's going to do it bitumah. He may as well just have done Pesach Rishon, right? Well, you didn't, you didn't gain anything. Uh, okay, so that makes sense. Right. And regarding Pesach, this is what we just read this. Regarding Pesach Shani, it says you should follow all the rules of the original, of the Pesach Rishon. Which means, yes, even if it's Tameh, you do it. Torah says, gives you a second chance. You tried. Oh, I, I tried. What can I do? I'm Tameh again? Okay, fine. You can do it. Um, okay, good. So that concludes that discussion. And now we're going to uh, go back here. I'm uh, looking at the outline. And uh, we want to find another answer. Can the bull of Yom Kippur create a substitute? And we're going to try to say yes from the word his bull, which means it's his. It's his own individual one. So let's see how uh, we try to prove it. I'm going to actually quote the Pesukim here. Um, if you look at the red Pesukim, it's his. Right, he has to bring it with his own money. So that clearly shows it's korban yachid, and therefore it can, you can, um, if you try to make a temora, it does effectuate a temora. Of course, it's asur to do, uh, but yes, it will work. And then on Pasuk 11, you have two more times. Three times it says it's his pad. Hey, can you get any clearer? It's true. It's mechaper on a lot of people, so that's going to be the challenge. Very good. Um, uh, so you, uh, you 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 gave away the punchline. <laughs> right. Um, good. So what did we learn from there? Detanya. Here's a brayta that uh, describes that what we learned from this word. Asher lo michelo humevi lo michel sibor. He has to bring it from his own money and not from the community money. Echol lo yavi michel sibor shen asibor mitkaperin bo aval yavi michel echav akohanim. You might think Asher law doesn't mean you don't bring it from the communal funds or all of the nation because they don't get any benefit from it. But maybe he can do a collection from the Kohanim. Right? Everybody give him a few dollars because it's going to be, be a ta- a ta- an atonement for the Kohanim. So that's why a second time it says, Asher law. No, I mean, really yours. Don't try to get out of it. Maybe you'll say, I tried, I don't know, I didn't get to do it. Uh, but the Abad, I brought it from other people, and it's okay. Like, how many times does, uh, I, you know, that Hashem says, Moshe, what, how many times, how many hours? Six? No, no, just fine, don't need it together. 12 hours? So the Pasuk repeats it to say, it's it's uh, indispensable, yeah. All right, so we brought the Braita. Clearly, it shows it's going to be his. Your question, if the other Kohanim don't have a share in it, 
then how can they be atoned with, with this part? This is an interesting word, Gaza. It seems to be similar to the word Giniza. Just the, the noon is, uh, is um, assimilated into that Gesh. Giniza, uh, which means a storehouse. So the storehouse of Aharon, the Hamana, God makes it Hefker to the other Kohanim. Yes, you bring it from your own money, but even though you bring it with your own money, God says this plan belongs to everyone. So, and therefore, you know what? You don't have an answer to the to this question uh, uh, to, to, to say yes, you can do uh, timura. The answer could very well be no, you cannot do timura because even though he brings it from his own money, it ends up becoming a kind of communal sacrifice because everyone has to get atonement, so they all gain ownership in it. So the bottom line here, at least, is uh, no. You cannot do Timura. Um, so this is a lot of technical details, but you can see how these technical details are really about a foundation of the essence of what it means to have atonement, that the leader atones for the group, right? How does it work? Is it really only himself? And then as long as he does well, then everybody comes along with them, or is it a group effort and they all have to chip in and be part of it? And that is, in fact, the bottom line. Okay, super interesting. And now we're going uh, again in chronological order. And we have the, we left the Kohen Gadol. He's carrying the, uh, the, 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 the two uh, uh, shovels, the pen and the shovel, the ketoret. And now he's going into the Kodesh Kodeshim. The question is, what path does he use to enter into it? So in the second Bet Mikdash, we there was two parochets uh, that was separating uh, between the Kodesh and Kodesh Kodeshim. We have some pictures here. Um, so what you see here is that he's going to walk in with both of them. He's going to go to the left, um, and that's where the opening of the front curtain is. And then he has to walk between the curtains. We have a picture of that too. Right here he is between the curtains. It's really tight. There's only an ama, and he's holding you know, burning hot coals. So I hope he doesn't burn the place down. And he's got to go through. And then when he gets to the other side, there's going to be an opening once again. Uh, so that's, the, that's how he does it. Um, the reason why he would, he would go in this way is um, you always want to go in like the north is more important than the, than the south here. So when he goes in from the south, he's actually then turning and he's going to enter Kodesh Kodashim from the north, right? You see that? Right, by the time he goes, he goes in south, he passes through the middle, he's going to enter into the north. So we always want to enter him to enter into the north. And that's, even though he's going in the south, that's his, just his initial entrance. So that's the Tanakhama. Um, the Rabbi, we're going to see is a Biyuda. The Biyo say Omer, Lo haita sham ela parochat achat belvach nemar, divdilat ha parochet lachem, and a kodesh, ben a kodesh, kodesh kodeshim. Where do you get this idea? There's two parochot. There's only one parochet. Read the Pasuk in Shabbat, right? Ha parochet. So there's only one. And since there's only one, so which way is he going to go? He's going to go to the right. We have a picture of that. Here, right? It's going to go in from the right. You see, there's no parochet behind it. It just goes straight in. Okay, this is very interesting. And it relates to halacha said today because uh, in, in, uh, in uh, there is a custom to have two parochets besides the door. Uh, not every not every bet, bet has it, but um, there is a, 
that, there, there is, that is an old custom to have such a thing. <clears throat> okay. Um, so that's the Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to be going to analyze Shapir Kamad the Biyoseh, but Abanan Biyoseh has a good point. The pasuk says one one parochet. Where'd you get two? But Abanan Amri Lachane Bini Bamishkan. You're right. In the Mishkan there was only one uh, curtain. Avaba Mikdash Sheni Kevan Dela Havai Amat Tedaksin Uba Mikdash Vishon Hu Te Havai Be Ista Peka Lehu Abanan Be Kedush Shateh. Okay, now we have a, need a whole history of this. In the Mishkan, there was only one curtain. In the first Bet HaMikdash, you had uh, something that looked like this, uh, a wall. Uh, first Bet HaMikdash of Shalomah, you had a wall and then a small curtain. So, and this wall was an Amma thick. So that's fine. So he would just one curtain and you just go in. Fine. When they made the second Bet HaMikdash, they didn't have a wall like this. Why not? The Gemara doesn't say, the Shonim say, maybe because it was even taller. The second Bet HaMikdash was taller than the first, than, than the first Bet HaMikdash, and it was hard to make a wall that high that's only an amatik. It wouldn't be stable. So they just made a, uh, a parochet. The question is, what do they do with that amah? Is that like the inside or like the outside? They didn't know which where it goes. So they said, you know what? Make two parochets. And that will be like the thickness of the wall. So he has to go through. And that explains why there's two in the second. Mishkan. That was right to be Yosei. The Mishkan there wasn't. But the way the architecture developed, now we have two parochets. Okay. So now that explains it. Now we're going to see precisely which way he walks. Yehuda says he's going to go to the left. Here we go, right? It's just, so Rabbi Yudha is uh, of the opinion that there was two parochets, and therefore, since he has to get to the south over here, he's going to go, to, the Mizbech is right in the middle, so he's going to pass the Mizbech on the left of it, and then pass the Menorah on the right of the Menorah, and go, you know, diagonally uh, to that opening, and then he'll go through. That's the first opinion of Rabbi Yudha. We're going to see, he thinks, he agrees with the Biyo said that there's only one Padochet. So therefore, he's going to go to the right. So he says, no, no, you go on the right of the Mizbeach, on the left of the Shulchan, and you go in from the north. And now we have a third opinion. Ben Shulchan Lakotel. You go all the way to the, on the side. In other words, not, here's the second opinion. And the third opinion is you go to the right of the Shulchan, right, all the way, right, uh, uh, butting up against the wall. Okay, we'll see what's the difference. Why would you go this way or that way around the uh, Shulchan? We'll see a couple of interesting opinions. So that's the Braita, three opinions. Now we're going to analyze the Braita. Man Yeshomrim, it's not anonymous. Who is it? Who said that there's only one curtain? Since there's only one curtain, the entrance is on the north. That's why he has to go on the right to get to the north. The first opinion says, no, I think there's two currents. That's why you have to go to the south and then go through and you'll come out on the north. Everybody always want to come out on the north. Fine. Now, which one that we understand those two opinions, it's kind of in which one, who does he agree with? If he agrees with the view that there's two currents, you have to go to the south. Then he has to go to the left, and he doesn't say that. He could be Yosef, be Alena, all could be Yosef. He agrees with Yosef. There's only one curtain. He should go to the right, up against the wall. Why does he say you don't go up against the wall? You go to the left of the Shulchan. 
לעולם כנביא יוסף סביל הלב, אמר לך שולחנות צפון ודלום מונחים ומפסקה לשולחן ולא מתעייל ל... In fact, he does agree that Biyo said that there's one curtain and he has to go to the right to get to the north. But there's another machloket about the shulchanot. Back in the time of the Mishkan, there was only one shulchan like this. But in the first Bet HaMikdash, and presumably in the second Bet HaMikdash also, they wanted to have more bread. King Shalomo said, let's make them even, even more. Why not? The more the, the, right, the more the merrier. And so he made 10 shulchanot. So here you have, besides the, the original one, and so how, was, how were they lined up? If they were lined up from north to south, you see, they take up a lot of space. And so there's not room to go adjacent to the wall like the Biosef said. They're against the wall. So therefore you have to go, you go around the Mizbeach and you go through here and then you go back. And that's why he said that opinion. Um, okay, so that makes sense. The first answer, you want, I can give you a second answer. Maybe the truth is even uh, the B Meir could agree that they were placed this way, right? Uh, from the east to west. And therefore there's plenty of room. Yeah, you could walk, you could walk that way, but he doesn't want to walk that way. You know why? You're going to the place of Shekhinah. It's not proper, it's not respectful to go straight in, just barge right in. You should go a roundabout way. You know, when you're when you're a guest and you come into a foreign place, you you know, you am I really invited here? Uh, you try to go roundabout, uh, be humble. So you know, just you know, don't you know, like a beeline straight into the Shekhinah. That's not proper. Okay, that's interesting. How about a BSA? What's he gonna say to that? Beloved is Israel. They don't need a messenger. They don't need an angel to intercede for them. And Akadosh Baruch Hu invites us right in. Kohen Gadol, who is, I mean, he's a messenger, but he's a human messenger. He represents us. And Akadosh Baruch Hu says, come right in. Right? You have a, you have an open invitation. And so, yes, you can walk right in. It's really beautiful right? that this, these two totally uh, different philosophies, conceptions of how to approach the divine, literally how to approach the divine. Right? Is it, should we be humble, circumspect? I don't know if we can, who might even say? Or right? are, we, are we invited guests and we can come in with confidence? Um, you know, it's really two different aspects that we, that we find in, on Yom Kippur and different prayers and different songs that we have. So who wins that? That's it, there's two, two opinions. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Right, so the the whole the whole uh, feeling could be he's all yeah he's he's uh, tre trepidation. So I think I think he's going to be nervous, nervous no matter what. He's going to burn the curtain. Okay, last line. The first opinion who said you go to the left. Well, remember if you go to the left, there's room, right? Why not go all the way to the left and hug the wall? Uh, to the left of the menorah. The answer is because then we'll get all black. There's lots of soot there from all the days and days of uh, of the of the of the candles burn, uh, lamps burning there. So then his white clothing will get all dirty. So that's just a practical reason. I like how we go from this lofty, deep philosophical reason to why not this way? No, you just get dirty there. Uh, it's not practical. Amen. Amen.